0: For those who uh, might be visiting with us, uh, the congregation here has, for many years, up until last year, had a uh, lectureship series that involved uh, various men of the congregation speaking on a particular theme subject. We're now doing the 2020 lectureship series in 2021, and we're doing the spring lectureship series in the in the summertime. But we're doing it, and I'm I'm glad of it. Uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed because I enjoy seeing the, uh, the various perspectives of the men that present the lessons. The theme this year is the one another's. Uh, we are members one of another and uh, there are several passages in the New Testament that talk about things that we are to, supposed to feel or do or be towards one another or in the case of the first one this year not be towards one another. Uh, and today's lesson is on, if I can get this to come up here, Hebrews the 10th chapter in verse 24, and let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Before we get involved in the actual text, I want to back up just a second and establish a couple, or answer a couple of questions really. And the first of those questions is, how is it? that we view God. What, what, do we, what is our attitude toward God? And if you'll, this, uh, the passage that we're going to look at is in Hebrews the 10th chapter which is towards the end of the book of Hebrews. And all throughout the first nine and a half or 10 and a half rather chapters there's been one thing that's been hammered over and over. And that one thing is that Jesus is better. The whole narrative of the book has been that Jesus is better. It started out Jesus is, is better than the angels, He's better than Moses, He's better than the priests. He's better than the prophets. And that's where we, we're coming to in, in this, in this uh, book here. Uh, it started out with creation in the first couple of verses of, of Hebrews chapter 1 and it, con- and it continued on through His life on earth uh, and then how because of His death, He became not only the new high priest, but the new, he had replaced the old covenant, the law of Moses with a new covenant. He is the new high priest. He's also the prophet and the king. And this, this uh, new covenant was signified or attested to by his death, the death of the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. We, don't, we now have a new high priest that is so much greater than the Levitical, Levitical priesthood and when we get to our text we'll see one of the reasons why. So, that brings us to the, the context of, of our lesson tonight and the title verse is found in, the, in a transition point for the book because the, the book up until this point in time up until Hebrews the 10th chapter and about verse 18 has been really a, a long doctrinal type lesson. Uh, doctrinal disposition discussion. And now it's going to get a little bit more practical. And there's going to be some conclusions made here in the 19th verse through the 25th verse of, of Hebrews chapter 10. And, and when those conclusions are made then we'll start with the rest of our lesson. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, one, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Two, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for He who promised is faithful. And three, let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The the passage of Scripture we're looking at is is in the 24th verse, and I've actually changed versions from what we just read and gone to the English Standard Version. But let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's the passage that we're going to look at before we get to that. So there were two things we wanted, to, two questions we wanted to answer. How do we view one another? What is it that we think about when we think about the other members of, the, of this congregation? The, the one another is, of course, that we're referring to throughout this study, uh, throughout the entire thirteen weeks of, of study, has to do with our fellow Christians. It's not talking about people that are in the world. It's not talking about. Um, uh, people down the street from us It's talking about people that we work and worship with. Uh, we've talked about do not bite and devour one another with Simon in the first, work, first week. Uh, we've talked about serving one another with Gary in the second week. And we've talked about being of the same mind one toward another with Jake, Jacob last week. Now my original plan from here was to start with Philippians the second chapter. But like Jacob I don't want to repeat because Gary took all the passages back in, in, in week two. He used all of the passages. So, what I'd like to do instead is to look at some metaphors that are used for the New Testament church. And three in particular and I think uh, we'll make the same point that's being made. The first of those metaphors is the, is the body of Christ. Turn with me if you would to uh, 1 Corinthians the 12th chapter And we'll begin reading in in, uh, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll begin reading in, in verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body though they are many are one body so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, Because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which are deemed less honorable On these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there be no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another." I'll stop right there in in verse 27. We know how a body works. None well, maybe one of it no. None of us in here I don't think are doctors. But we know how the body works for the for the for a basic standpoint. And it looked real funny today if I had just come up here with my left ear and my right elbow. There wouldn't be anything of me because I wouldn't be a body. So we understand that analogy. We understand the next analogy. We understand the analogy of a building and I'll I'll refer only to uh, 1 Peter 2 and verse 5 out of these passages where we're called living stones that are assembled together. And and the idea there is that a house is being built or a building or a temple is being built. And we we know the same thing. If we drive down the street and we see just the foundation of a house we don't think there's a house there. If we see a house that's been completely built but part of it has been smashed in and, and other parts of it are, you know, maybe part of the roof is missing and part, part of this is missing. We don't consider that a house. A house is a whole building, a whole feature. It is, it is not something that is in part. Same thing with the third analogy there, the analogy of a family or a household. Uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, if you'll turn with me there. Ephesians 2 actually sort of uh, blends a couple of the couple of the different analogies here It actually blends uh, the building, the temple, the the family, the household and if you go back a little bit it it blends the body in there as well but we'll begin in verse 18 Ephesians 2 and verse 18 for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father so then you were no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit." So, we have a sort of a mixture there of the family has, household aspect and the building aspect as well what are all these analogies tell us all of these metaphors they require unity they require cohesiveness they require parts that work together to form a whole and we understand these analogies if the Bible had been written in say 1970 1980 and I know some of you are going wow that's a long time ago but if it had been written in in 1970 or 1980 maybe one of the riders would have included a more modern example, that of the automobile. This is something that I understand because I work with them every day. But we understand how an automobile is, is put together. Is the tire more important than the engine? Is the, is the blinker more important than the headlight? No, all of it goes together to perform an automobile. The same way these analogies were actually written in the uh, New Testament. So when we think of one another, let's think of those analogies, and now we'll consider the rest of the story. Now again, I'm going to show my age a little bit. This is an allusion to a radio personality that uh, was born in 1918 uh, by the name of Paul Harvey. And those of you who are my age, maybe a little bit younger, not much younger, but maybe a little bit younger, and those who are older, you know who Paul Harvey is. And one of the things that he did during each and every day, uh, each and every weekday, was he had what he called the rest of the story. And that was, you know, you, mo- you know things about history, you know various things about his people that are historic figures, but you might not know some of the rest of their story. And that's what he would tell. For instance, and again, I'm going to show my age so some of you are going to say, who's that? But John Wayne, when he was 13 years old, was referred to as skinny and was bullied at, 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 uh, in his neighborhood. That's John Wayne. We'd never think of John Wayne being bullied. Or Abraham Lincoln passed the bar, became a lawyer, because he had been part owner in a bar that sold uh, things that are sold in a bar and had gotten out of that business but was being sued was being uh, was being I can't think of the word was being pursued for debts that that owner of the bar had and and he had passed and he owed something like $1,100 which doesn't seem like a large amount now but would turn into well over $100,000 today that he didn't have. And so he decided to, to uh, go to law school and pass the bar. Um, and then he became the 16th president of the United States. Those are some of the things that you might have seen in the rest of the story. When we think of this passage here, there's, there's one thing I want to point out first of all. First of all, the passage does not say consider how to love each other, and to do good deeds. Now that's, that's a really good thought. We need to know how to love each other. We need to know how to, how to do good deeds to each and every one of the other people in this congregation. But that's not what's being said here. What is being said here is consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There's also more to this passage than the 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 part that probably gets talked about more than anything else and that is verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together now wait a second it's still really really important it's just not what we're talking about specifically tonight in fact it modifies what we're talking about tonight what we're talking about tonight and, and some of the other passages that we can look at real quickly that, that are treated this some way, same way is we look at a passage and we only take part of that passage and we leave the rest of it and don't really look at it. Matthew 7 verses 1 through 5 starts off, Judge not that you be not judged. And you've had a hundred people say, you can't judge me. Well yes it says that, Judge not that you be not judged. But as you go on in, in verse 5 it says, first remove the log that is out of your own eye so that you can see to help your fellow man to remove the speck out of his eye. So it's not that we can't point out faults of another, it's just we don't need to be hypocritical about doing it. Matthew 5 and verse 38 mentions an eye for an eye and that's all people hear. Well, it says in the Bible an eye for an eye. Well, it says that you should no longer say an eye for an eye. 1 John 4 verses 8, verse 16, other passages throughout 1 throughout John says God is love. And so people think, how can a God who is love condemn people? How can, how can He treat people and, 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 and send them to, to you know, everlasting destruction? Well, in the same framework of those verses, it says if, if you love God, you'll keep His commandments. But we, Well, I didn't read that I just read God is love now God is love that's all we were talking about mark 16 verse 16 a lot of people in in the denominational world will tell you whoever does not believe is condemned but if you believe you're okay no that's not what that passage says if you look at it in totality and in fact it's extremely dangerous to look at any of the scripture in part out of context A little word study from from the phrase that we're looking at tonight, uh, and I, I first want to emphasize it's just a little word study because I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't speak Greek. I can somewhat read a dictionary uh, as long as it's translated into English, and so what you're going to get is a little bit of that. But it's it's really important. There's four words or phrases uh, in this little part that that we want to look at, and the first one is consider, and by consider It's meant to perceive clearly, to understand fully, to study, to give careful attention to. It's the same word that's used in response. You know, I talked about Matthew 7 a minute ago when it says consider the log or the beam that's in your own eye before you go and try. You you want to take careful consideration of that. It's the same word that's used in Luke the twelfth chapter in verse twenty-four, when it when it describes consider the ravens how they don't they don't um, sow and they don't reap, but yet they're fed every day. God takes care of them. Or consider the lilies in verse twenty-seven, where it says they don't toil, they don't spin, but Solomon was never clothed like they're clothed. So he. he and it's also used in Hebrews the third chapter when it says, consider Jesus. Um, and we, we uh, Tom's not gonna permit me to read that passage, but all of these, these usages of this word consider means give careful thought to. It's not something that's done accidentally. It's not something that's done casually. So when we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, We've got to take, we've got to meditate on it. We've got to really give some thought to it. It's also implied a prerequisite here is that we know one another before we can, before we can consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The next phrase, stir up. Spur, provoke, agitate, excite, stimulate. All of these, all of these words are Some of them are used in in, uh, some of the other translations of this word. It's normally used in a negative connotation. When you hear the word provoke, what what do you normally hear coming after that? Provoke somebody to wrath, provoke somebody to anger, provoke somebody to jealousy, or provoke a fight. So it's normally used like that, but in this instance, it's used in a positive fashion. We're to stir up one another to good love and good works. Furthermore, we're to consider how we're supposed to do that. All right. Two more phrases. One is love. And we, we pretty much understand that. This is the word, and I will try a little bit of Greek here. The word agape, which is the noun form, agapayo, which is the verb form. Uh, and we understand what that is. Selfless, unconditional love. It's the type of love that's talked about when 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 it says you know the most quoted scripture in the Bible is John three sixteen. God so loved the world he loved it unconditionally without any type of attachment to it uh, it's talked it, it talks about how he first loved Jesus and, and how the that that was how Jesus learned to uh, love his disciples because of the way that God loved him uh, in talking about all mankind in John three sixteen that we've we've already alluded to. Uh, John 5, 8 says that God showed his love toward us by sending Christ while we were still sinners. Uh, And and then to believers in particular, turn with me if you would to John the 14th chapter. John 14, and uh, we'll look at, We'll look at verse 15 first of all. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We'll skip down to verse 21. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And then verse 23 says much the same thing. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So that's God's reaction to to, uh, those that believe. Uh, But it also, that that word is used when God tells us what he expects of us toward both him and to our fellow man. John in thirteenth chapter. If we'll back up a couple pages, John thirteen verses thirty four through thirty five. Jesus, in talking to his disciples, says, "A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as lo- even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another." First John two and verse five says, "The love of God is perfected in those that keep the word." 1 John 4 and verses 11 11 and 12, we ought to love one another because God loved us. And if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. And then Colossians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 14, refers to love as the perfect bond of unity. All right, so we got three of those phrases out of the way. Let's look at the fourth one, and that is good works. We're going to look at actually the word good, uh, the Greek word for good is kalos, is that right, Bob, sort of? Defined as, as what is intrinsically good, what is noble, what is right, what is honorable. And, and good works are a natural progression of, of love and, and faith. Uh, Galatians, the sixth chapter, we'll turn quickly there and, and look at it. Actually. Galatians 6, chapter and verses 9 and 9 through 10 actually refers to doing good toward all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. Um, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. After it is explained how God loved us and extended grace and mercy towards us, and that we are saved by faith. And, and then in, in verse 10, um, We are created as a new creature for good works. Um, The passage that I want to look at is Titus, the second chapter. Because Paul, in writing to Titus here, gives a pretty lengthy dissertation on his instructions to those that he's preaching to. Um, And we're going to look at several of the verses here but I wanted to, to get a little bit of context. In, in the very first part of chapter 2, Paul tells uh, Titus to, to speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. And then he goes on to explain so, some, of the, some of the things that we're going to look at. One in verse uh, 7 says, In all things, show, yourselves to be any, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine and dignified. In verse 14 he says, Um, that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Uh, You continue on into the third chapter, and verse 8 says, This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. And then in verse 14 again, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Uh, Bob referred to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 16 and 17, to to begin his lesson this morning. And at the end of that, it's so that a man can be complete, equipped for every good work. And it's because God loved us first. As far as faith goes, James the second chapter uh, is the is the passage that refers to faith without works being dead. Uh, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And then he goes on to explain how Abraham, through faith, acted, and and, and Rahab through faith acted, and that was was what saved them. Okay. We know, what, we know what the uh, verse says. Consider one another to, to stir up love and good works. How do we accomplish this? How, how, how do we actually go about obeying this commandment? Because that's what it is. It's a commandment of God. Number one is place all confidence and hope in the one who is faithful. That's uh, one of the preceding verses that we read uh, chapter, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 23, I believe it is, is that we place our confidence, our hope in the one who has promised and has always delivered on His promises. We know that's, we know that's God. We know that's Jesus. That it, he is the one who, if, if anyone, and, and I've been looking at the Bible for a few years now, but if anyone comes up with a passage in which God promised something and didn't deliver on it, they need to let me know because it just doesn't happen. Second thing, and we talked about this a little bit, give careful thought and consideration to who. Who do you want to, to try to stimulate? to love and good works. Who do you want to try to stir up to love and good works? Well, I I would say one another and that includes all of us. Now, that that denotes a lot of work. If you're just getting started with it, I would just start with one. Start with one person, but don't end there. Figure out one person that you want to try to stimulate to love and good works. If you can't think of somebody, think of me because I can always, stand for some more stimulation towards love and good works. Now, how are we gonna do it? Well, each person is an individual. And so, the consideration part in, involves how you would individually deal with that, that person. Uh, people don't respond the same way. People don't respond to the same things. But there are some, some generalities that we do wanna look at, and these are always true number one the next thing is pray about it pray about how you can affect other people the passage that that I was going to start with that I didn't start with because Gary took it up says what Gary it says we're supposed to consider other people more important than ourselves We're, we're to place other people above ourselves and that's what it's all about in our prayer life, we should be thinking of ways that we can help other people. When we help other people, we ourselves are benefit by that. But that shouldn't be the reason we do it. But pray about it. And then share the word. Because the word is the answer to all of life's distresses, hard times, discouragements. It's also the answer to all the good times, all the encouragements, all, 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 all of the things that are not stressful. Have conversations with people about the Word. You know, I know we're in the South. I know we're in Alabama. But there are other things you can talk about in the church building when, when services are not being conducted other than sports. There really is. And that's coming from me. So have conversations about the Word individual or group small group Bible studies away from this building it's a great way to do it drop a a line a letter a text an email Um, some people actually still send letters we'll talk about that in just a minute Uh, we have I, I don't particularly use social media but some of you do and that's a way that that we can we can encourage other people and that's what we're talking about we're talking about encouraging them or stimulating them to love and good works. And invite someone to help you teach a Bible class. You found someone that, that, that wants to study with you, invite someone else to help you teach. Whatever you do, expose other people to the Word. And then the other one, the next one, assemble with the saints, because that, that is what it's talked about here and it is talked about in context, modifying what's been said before that we consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as is the habit of some and he goes on and talks about encouragement but we need to be here and I I wanted to stress before that I was not telling people not to be here that was not what I was saying I was saying that there was more in this passage than don't forsake the assembly But when we're here, it's not enough just to be here. You need to be here with a purpose. It's not enough to come in and sit in the pew and and then get up and leave. You need to be here with with the purpose of A, praising God and worshiping Him, and B, encouraging one another. That's what's being talked about here, consider one another. How to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Lead by example. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I, I do not mean to, to embarrass anyone. I do, I do not mean to exclude anyone. But here's some examples that are among our group here that I thought of in a few minutes' time. I'd actually been thinking about this for a year, so it wasn't, wasn't hard. I don't know how many of you, you guys or, or ladies get a text from Paul Stidemeyer. I can't tell you. How many times that comes just at the right time? Some of these things have been affected by COVID, so just, and, and some have resumed a little bit and some, some have not. We used to have monthly ladies' class and it was almost always 93.76% of the time was hosted by Sonya Phillips. I, I made up that number by the way. But, and then there were those who regularly attended that ladies' class. Uh, and I know because my mom attended it, it on some occasions. Uh, the men's IHOP group, because I don't know of another name to, to give them, very small group, but consistent. Uh, the letter, okay, this is a long one here. The letter-writing personal work group of ladies. Uh, and you know who I'm referring to. But uh, some of the names that I can remember, because I've received letters in the past. of incur- Letters of encouragement, uh, little notes. Uh, you may have been sick, uh, or maybe mom was sick about or, or something. Uh, or maybe that I presented a lesson, and they just wanted us to, to say thank you. Uh, Dee, Tiffany, uh, Emily Ann, Betty, Stidmeyer, Missy, uh, and and daughters were involved in this, Rachel, Sarah, Mia. Uh, And again, I'm just throwing names out here, not to embarrass anyone, not to exclude anyone. Those who have done things, uh, especially for the elderly, we've got a group of ladies that are of all the same age group, sort of. And I'm not saying old, young, anything like that. Uh, Caroline, Tamara, Angel, Kristen, uh, there's probably others again. People just by their presence here who are an encouragement. Um, Kristen Allen, John and Nancy Little, Ray Davis. Uh, when they were alive, Sister Kathy Martin, Brother Dewey Crawford. And then as I was, had already completed everything and I think sent it in, I, I looked at my email last night and I had to add something to my notes. And that was the bill list that is run by Abby jo- Johnson for the most part. And I, I, the reason I say, and not only the mill list is who takes care of it but who responds to it because it was sent out at 524, no 542 last night and at 724 I checked my email and I looked at it and I, I didn't really have an opportunity to do anything anyway but I looked at it because I knew what it would look like. It was full, absolutely full. And those are things that are encouragement to people around here. Those are things that stimulate others. Leading by example. You stimulate others to love and good works. And there are others. And then the ultimate example that we we have in the scriptures is that of Jesus Christ himself. He took a a ragtag bunch of men, fishermen, tax collectors. And he worked with them on a daily basis. And he, he traveled with them. And he showed them how to love. He showed them how to do good deeds. He taught them how to love. He taught them how to do good deeds. He prayed for them. John seventeenth chapter. We've already referred to that at one on one occasion here, but that is a that is a passage of scripture that is absolutely gorgeous. Take it take it home and look at it tonight. He is the ultimate example that we have in the scriptures of how we accomplish stimulating other people to love and good works. If you don't believe it, look at what those men did a few days after he ascended. Look at how they changed the world. So what's the result around here if we do these things? Number one, God's word is gonna be obeyed and he's gonna be praised. That's the the most important thing anyway. Others are encouraged to further love and good works other people are getting the same command too so you're gonna get encouraged again that's not a, not a, extremely important but it is a benefit but I want to look at a passage of Scripture Ephesians the fourth chapter and we'll kind of bring this back around to a, a full circle Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll begin in verse 11 we'll read through verse 16 Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 remember how we talked about the analogies to begin with the metaphors and one of those metaphors was that of the body and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ as a result we are no longer to be children tossed here and fro st- tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's the result. It's a group like uh, Bob referred to the group in Antioch this, this, this uh, morning in his lesson. And the group in Antioch was largely formed because people had left Jerusalem because they were being persecuted. But it was also formed by people from the northern part of the African continent, on groups over into Asia that refers to men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Check out where those places are from. They took in maybe the biggest villain towards the church when Barnabas brought Saul into the congregation. And it didn't cause any strife whatsoever. In fact, a lot of work was done. It says that the word of God multiplied there. They sent out Paul and Barnabas on the first journey when God made request to them. Um, that's what you wind up with is a group of people doing exactly what God designed it a group of people to be doing you wind up with a body working together if you're not a part of that body and you want to be made a part of that body we would invite you to do that tonight if you have been a part of that body and and you brought shame to the body you're not pulling your part as as a member of that body then you can Come forward and make that right tonight. We, we invite you, if you need to respond to the gospel of Christ, please come as we stand and sing.